This is Reimagining Healthcare, a podcast about innovation in the healthcare industry. It's a show for healthcare business owners, for healthcare professionals, for industry investors, and health tech entrepreneurs. On the show, I talk to health tech and healthcare innovators to uncover how they're reimagining and building a world of seamless digital healthcare experiences and how that fits into people's lives. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos. Today, I'm speaking with Ben Hurst, founder and CEO of HotDoc. It's a cloud-based patient engagement platform. In this part one of two of the interview, Ben discusses with me how his personal insights as a healthcare professional led to starting up HotDoc and how this health tech startup experience with the market helped shape the foundations of what a modern healthcare clinic needs to administrate the patient engagement process more efficiently, as well as offering a better patient experience. To this end, we discuss the key problems clinics have overcome with digital tools like HotDoc, as well as why it's beneficial to build meaningful, lasting relationships between healthcare providers and their clients using digital health techniques. Let's jump in. Well, hey there, Ben. How are you today? Thanks, Yanni. Thanks uh, for having me here. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, On a variety of fronts, you're a kindred spirit having been a um, founder of a health tech company. So I'm always interested in uh, finding out the journey. And that might be a good place for us to sort of kick off because you've got an interesting background. Um, Perhaps you could share with us that sort of journey of uh, entering the healthcare profession and then also then uh, maybe transitioning is not the right word, but you've uh, you've become a a health tech startup uh, entrepreneur with the uh, Hot Doc business and platform. So um, tell us a little bit about your journey in healthcare. I'll give you the very abbreviated version because I can, I can waft on. Uh, I had two parents, one of whom is a GP, my mom and my dad, and he knows and throat doctor. And they were incredibly skilled brainwashers when I was a teenager. So I decided to enter into med school uh, when I was 17 and all was going well, but a couple of years in, I just realized that this just, just didn't feel quite right. I'm not a very good rote learner. I don't necessarily think in the same sort of systems and processes of, of other medical students and doctors. Um, but I was so far in that I thought, well, let's, let's just get to the end. And maybe as a doctor, things will, you know, things will be a bit different. I uh, did a few years uh, in Barwon as an intern, then as an emergency department resident, then as a psychiatry registrar. And it just wasn't quite clicking and I had this creative side to me that I sort of wanted to let out of the bag. So as you do, went to New York to try and write a novel. Didn't quite work out. Uh, Ran out of money two years later. But I did learn about a company called ZocDoc, which was an online medical appointment business that was just getting started out of New York. And something about the idea of helping patients get direct access to the doctor's schedule 24 hours a day just rocked my world. And I very quickly saw that uh, here was a great opportunity to, to bring a simple but really valuable piece of technology to Australia. And with my mum as a GP, I kind of knew a fair bit about general practice and I was fortunate enough to meet um, some really smart guys who are running a digital agency, Tom and Simon. And they thought hot doc was a really good idea. They liked me. We had good chemistry. They thought the name hot doc sucked, but two out of three wasn't bad. So we decided to join forces. And uh, 10 years later, hot doc is um, 
it's a bit more than an online booking company. We now call ourselves a patient engagement platform and um, we have had quite a bit of success in the GP world um, and we're really looking forward to starting to move and, and provide some of our solutions more in the allied space as well. Yeah, it's interesting uh, the um, influence that uh, emerging technologies can have on founders uh, in any industry, let alone um, healthcare. Um, but there's a lot to be said for timing, isn't there, Ben? You know, it's one of these things where um, what I've noticed, I remember um, when, when we founded uh, Core Plus, uh, there had actually been one example of a cloud practice management software at the time that had, um, well, two actually that I can think of, that had both um, failed um, quite miserably. And, um, and yet we, we were able to sort of grow a business. Uh, mind you, we, we sort of came out at a time that was probably two years later than those others. So and how important is that from your experience in kind of, you know, getting to that point where your own sort of lived experience in healthcare uh, discussions with um, colleagues and peers in the industry, getting that sense of inspiration from that product in, uh, in New York. How, how important do you think timing is when it comes to actually introducing a health tech um, idea or innovation into, into healthcare? Yeah, the more I've come to understand business, the more I understand how not just important but pertinent timing is. Uh, and I think in many ways Hot Talk was really lucky. We definitely weren't the first in Australia with the solution of online bookings. It was, it was very much a nascent technology. There'd been a couple of players around for, for a few years. But I think um, it was sort of the, the notion of like not having to phone up for a service was becoming a little bit more popular. I think people weren't having to um, line up to um, to get a movie ticket um, and I think it was just there was something so profoundly inefficient and kind of wrong about patients having to wake up at 7.59 a.m. so that they could get there one second before everyone else did when the, the phone lines opened up. So I think why it took off when it did was that it was becoming a really not just an inefficiency for front offices, but patients were having some pretty terrible experiences. Um, but why that happened in 12, 2012 and not 2010, I think it was luck of the jaw. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like you're absolutely right. Um, sometimes it's not being, it's not the best thing to be first in market. It's, it's nice to be a fast follower. So you can also learn from some people's mistakes as well. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's a lot to be said about that. Um, how important timing is. I've actually uh, come up with a bit of a, a playbook in uh, that's sort of collated my own history in um, in startups and in particular in, in health tech startups. So I think timing is really important. I think that one of the key reasons for is that um, in a sense, doesn't matter how good a piece of tech is, if if the target user isn't ready for it mm. or hasn't hasn't actually understood the um, the reason why from their point of view, um, they're not going to adopt it at that particular point in time. And I use a term called cultural innovation. So when I, when I talk to health tech entrepreneurs, we often focus on the tech. And, uh, and so that's the technical innovation. But mm. will it be deployable at human speed so that the actual mm. people who are using it or benefiting from the technology are actually able to innovate concurrent with the 
use of the technology. So in other words, if they're unwilling to or have resistance or perhaps um, uh, the way that they do things at the moment is not open to change or flexibility, that's going to be a real stick in the mud for trying to impose a system onto somebody. And it's ironic in a way because the the tech is actually canned culture uh, in a sense. It's, it's, it's a way of actually structuring a new way of doing things with the corresponding benefits uh, from it as well. What's your take on it having sort of gone through your own startup journey and, um, and potentially where you were in the beginning with um, how the market that you were serving was looking at what you're offering. Were they open to it? Were they resistant to it? What, what were those sort of formative years like for you? I really like that culture innovation concept. So I'm possibly going to steal that one and bring it into the hot dog fold as well. Uh, so thanks for that. The formative years were tough. Like early days, I was... Uh, the salesperson number one, driving out to places like Geelong and begging doctors to give us a chance and them asking me how many customers did Hot Doc have and answering we only had three and two of them were family members. Uh, so like it's just it's just really hard to get any company off the ground. Uh, but one of the insights that we had was uh, that, yes, the medical industry by and large is a slow moving beast, but there are some stakeholders who are really agile and excited by new technology. And we saw that there were practice managers who were sort of often the primary influencer in the sort of in, in helping us sell our software. Uh, and in particular, practice managers of larger clinics were often very open and amenable to giving something a go and they were quite excited by the idea of trying something new that would solve a, a really frustrating pain point. Um, so while online bookings for us was a kind of like a me too product, uh, we sort of, we found it really important to sort of separate our, ourselves from the crowd by building something new and, and that was smart recalls, which basically helped to automate the, the recalls process for clinics who wanted to get patients back for preventative health related appointments. And it was a completely novel technology at the time, but it was surprising just how um, happy practices were to give it a go, even though it wasn't particularly mature. And we also got lucky back to that whole timing thing where the cost of stamps just as it was released, went from 70 cents to a dollar. So suddenly we weren't just targeting some really annoying workflow in the at the medical center level. We were also um, bringing something to market that was going to save them a lot of money. So it's kind of like it's often the best fortune you have when you're deploying a new product is, is this something that people are going to be willing to use and is it suddenly now serving a pain point that maybe wasn't present uh, six or 12 months ago? Yep. And that, um, you know, some would call um, an element of pivot where you think you're launching into a market with um, the original idea and then you're discovering through that process that it's actually something else that's more painful or more problematic from the customer's point of view. So you found, you found recall 
and the automations that um, HotDoc provides as being the thing that really appealed to the market at that particular point in time. Did you find that recall? So the original, I guess the driving problem there was that repetitive manual type of effort and the relative expense Mm. to do it the way it was being done at the time, which was posting out and mailing. Um, And all of a sudden you're providing a digital alternative that's more cost effective and automated. Uh, so that would have saved quite a bit of time, money and effort for um, for a clinic. Um, mm. did, did you find that once that foot was in the door that then online bookings became easier to accept by those those clients? Yeah, absolutely. Like the I think the thing that we the thing that we recognized was that bookings is like one sliver of an episode of patient care. Uh, you get you make a booking, you uh, you get reminded about that booking. You receive a confirmation. You turn up. You check into the waiting room. Uh, you uh, see where you are in the queue in the waiting room. You see the doctor. You come and you pay. Uh, you might get results, and then you might get recalled back. Uh, and uh, we just saw the bookings was kind of the the linchpin. Uh, and if we could help create other solutions to solve some of those other inefficiencies and not so amazing patient experiences that would all relate to bookings in some way. So if you receive a digital notification, which is a recall saying you should come back for your cholesterol check and it's a lesser, well, you know, you might, you might pin that to a fridge, but if you get it back as a digital notification, uh, you can click a button and make a booking then and there. So sort of like recalls and some of these other products, they just, they really nicely tied back together to the foundational bookings product. Um, and I think that was kind of like a, a fortunate thing that the bookings, you know, everything just, it feeds back into, into bookings. Yeah. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. I think that um, scheduling substrate is absolutely key to healthcare because of the dependence on having an appointment you know, between the health practitioner and the patient or client. Um, so today, how big's the network? And um, you know, you've got sort of two perspectives here. You've got obviously uh, uh, the practice or the clinic, and um, and being able to provide certain solutions there to the type of problems they're dealing with. And perhaps you could, if you go through that, Ben, that would be great. But on the other side, you're also you're also looking after Australians because there's that interaction piece around the clinical engagement, which Mm. is a bit more of a B2C focus as compared to the B2B focus with the um, healthcare providers. So um, from those uh, origins to where you are now, tell us, you know, how big is the network? How big are the uh, amount of um, patient record or patients that you're actually dealing with and supporting? And Mm. beyond recalls, where are you at? How many kind of key features do you have in the in the system at the moment that support that clinical engagement yep sure so uh i guess our bedrock business is general practice uh and it's sort of it's what i certainly knew and my 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 sort of area of um understanding um and and so we directed most of our energies there uh and we now have 21,000 GPs on our platform, which, you know, closely represents two out of three GPs in the country. 
and yes, a lot of patients use us. So uh, there are over 9 million registered Australian patients um, and we process about two, just over 2 million bookings per month. So there's quite a lot of scale there and that was significantly accelerated by uh, by COVID and the vaccination rollout where over about a 12-month span, our bookings volumes went up um, almost by double. Um, so we sort of, yeah, we've built a lot of, we call it patient engagement platform, which basically means helping clinics um, and you know, GP clinics and, and what we hope more and more, um, non-GP allied um, dental and, and specialist clinics to be more effective communicators with patients when the patient is outside the consultation room and hopefully enable better patient experiences. Um, something that we're focused on quite a bit at the moment is payments. Uh, a lot of Appointments uh, get transacted remotely now and if there's not a way to accept that payment uh, in an online way, often uh, different health professionals need to call the patient after the appointment and ask for their credit card details over the phone, which is obviously a pretty crappy experience. So we're putting a bit of energy into trying to um, make the telehealth experience more seamless and also help practices uh, be able to collect a payment for the service that they rendered. Yeah, that's, um, that's a, a great summary. And I think it's, it's uh, something that um, gets missed with the, the idea of digital. I, I sort of find that there's a distinction between kind of digitizing manual processes versus actually thinking in digital terms first. Mm that go towards mm-hmm. what you're describing there as the, uh, the customer experience or the patient experience. Um, how important is building that relationship or that kind of meaningful engagement with, with a patient or client in healthcare? Mm. I think the, the way that we see, like if you see that just like the, what's the most important, like basic essence of healthcare beyond sort of the Hippocratic Oath of do no harm, um, how do patients get better um, beyond just like really simple acute problems and, and simple acute solutions? Um, we see it's that they have a really strong uh, relationship, therapeutic relationship with their health provider. Um, we see that it's really important that patients and providers are encouraged to, to speak up and, and, and be honest um, and we also think that it's really important um, that patients feel empowered. And being empowered, there are kind of two main principles to that. One is sort of being nudged in a positive direction. And the other is not having to go through the same level of friction and confusion that navigating healthcare often brings. Um, so if we can make it like easy, um, like, make it much easier to book online 24 hours a day. And if we can give the right kind of nudge, like, hey, you know, you're due for this appointment um, in a couple of weeks, click here, uh, then hopefully that patient has more confidence to 
um, take ownership of their own healthcare and not necessarily just rely on their GP to coordinate everything and be a passive recipient um, in their healthcare journey. Um, so, yeah, those are the three things, strong relationships, um, being able to communicate assertively uh, and also for patients to, to take ownership of their, their own health. Is this something that every healthcare professional knows or is this something that you have to teach and educate? Uh, I think everyone, and when I was a, a student, we were always taught about the bio, um, biopsychosocial model. Uh, and that was something that was actually drilled into our heads quite effectively. But when I sort of got into the medical profession, everything just suddenly skewed towards the, the biological model. Uh, and I think that's been to the detriment of uh of the profession and, and in some ways of, of patients. Um, I guess the, the model that I just shared with you, that's sort of, um, that's a bit of a model that I have in my head that, you know, I've communicated within our business and, you know, we've used it to guide some of our, our product decisions. Um, but I think it's, I think it's just a basic model for, for how humans can work together and get good interactions. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think it's something that maybe like often, you know, we get, we get too caught into the esoteric details of healthcare, you know, how do we diagnose this like rare disease by understanding these specific symptoms? We forget about the basic stuff of just like being open and honest with um with our patients, um, building rapport by asking questions, um, and helping them feel confident. Um, even a simple thing like for chronic disease management, it's it's actually rarer than not for patients to have a health goal. More often than not, they're prescribed lots of medications, but but they don't actually get uh, hey in three to six months' time, what would what would be an important thing for you to achieve? What's a goal that you'd like? Um, and why is it important? And and just asking those questions can dramatically transform patient efficacy, um, which is you know is so important in in getting to the right outcome. So yeah, I think I think the basic stuff is probably not emphasized enough uh, in healthcare, at least in at least in chronic disease management. Yeah, it, it, it never ceases to amaze me. Uh, what are we now sort of 12 years into our journey? Um, never ceases to amaze me how clinics um, tend to avoid uh, technology that actually improves those, those engagement opportunities or touch points mm-hmm. as we call them in the industry and, um, and don't sort of think about, well, how do you build rapport um, so if the only way to build rapport with you is to ring your clinic, then you're limiting the potential um, uh, patient or, or community engagement to people who don't mind ringing because everybody who doesn't want to ring is not going to ring you. And so they're going to go somewhere else and find a, um, a pattern of engagement that is more consistent with how they like to engage. And that's something that is evolving. It's a moving target. You know, people are changing. But what we do know is that people are interacting and researching and engaging online more than ever. And the idea of online is to be able to go to a browser or an application and be able to 
do some of those um, administrative things like scheduling yourself, making a booking, um, requesting a follow-up, doing things in an asynchronous way, in, in a way that doesn't need two people to be in the same place at the same time in order for that mm-hmm. to occur, which is what the phone call traditionally assumed. It assumed that it was expedient to both the client and the business to make a resource or put time and effort from human beings to line up at the same place at the same time in order for that administration to occur. And um, that's becoming a, um, a lot of friction. So how do you get rapport with somebody when you're putting sort of barriers in the way of uh, that person trying to get to you in the first place? And I think um, that's kind of a rhetorical question, Ben, in the sense that this is the argument for digital health thinking, like it's digital first to make it as expedient and convenient and intuitive and easy and simple for the service of healthcare to propagate because we've got to get to that first point. And if you're easy to use, you're easy to choose. Uh, if, uh, if you're difficult to use that you're going to be difficult to choose. So these tools, hot dog, um, and other health tech, um, products in the market are designed to actually recognize that, um, people are super busy and they want to get things done, um, much quicker and easier. And when that occurs, they feel happier and the rapport has a better chance of growing. And then also the commitment to uh, whatever is being recommended gets easier from that point onwards. Mm. What, what are your thoughts on that? Because uh, I, think, I think what's kind of understated in the hot dog story is how you've been able to capture those, those sort of, you know, key elements that make the administration of the relationship between the healthcare provider and their patient easier, frictionless, more simple which goes a long way towards, I, I think, what you're describing there with, in terms of therapeutic outcomes in getting people to uh, undergo that behavioural change and trust and commit to a process with a healthcare provider. What are your thoughts? Mm. Oh, it's great. There's a lot in that. Um, I sometimes just think about the patient journey and, and I often imagine you've got a, a single parent, their kid's got a fever, uh, it's midnight and they're trying to work out, well, do I go to the emergency department? I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if my kid's that unwell, um, but I don't have any other option because I've got to otherwise just wait until the morning to, to, to seize an appointment. And, and the patient journey is often one that starts with like this sense of concern, worry, anxiety, because something not right is happening to either yourself or someone you love. And you ne- you have to sort of then navigate the best next step for you. Um, and the more complicated that is, the the worse that that can, the worse the outcome might be. Um, and, and patience, when you're when you're when you're worried and confused, that's often when you when you maybe make a bad decision. So I think it's really important for any health provider to just like to make things as easy as possible on patients with that sort of sense of understanding and empathy that being a patient is often not very fun and it is, it can be tough, especially when, you know, you are acutely unwell. Um, And then um, it's what you're saying before, like there are just different types of patients. So there are absolutely patients who love to get on the phone and make a booking. And when they arrive at the medical center, they love to say hello to the front office um, 
staff and have a bit of a chat before they sit down in the waiting room. Like that is absolutely a thing. Uh, But more and more we're seeing, especially among younger cohorts uh, and busy professionals, is just like that's not the type of customer service they're looking for. They are looking for something which is more efficient and often asynchronous, um, which allows them to sort of access healthcare in a way that doesn't require them to necessarily transplant themselves from the office um, and, you know, find a car park and wait in a waiting room. So I think it's really important that uh, health providers just understand that if they don't start to sort of use different types of digital technology, then they may be only catering to 40 to 50% of their patient cohort and they might not be offering the same level of service and a positive patient experience as some of their, some of their peers. Uh, and that's really important because like the way to sort of get good outcomes is by understanding who you're working with. And if you're not providing a modality that that is sort of accommodating to a certain type of person, then they're probably not going to want to interact with it in a positive way. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I think it's, um, uh, you know, it's one of healthcare is not necessarily, unless it's acute healthcare, but um, generally healthcare is not a um, compulsory uh, service for people to use, you know, so there's still a lot of discretion and choice in how, how and with whom they choose to spend time, money and effort with. Uh, So um, the customer experience, I think um, being improved will go a long way towards making it easier uh, and building rapport and building trust in the process for, um, for people to actually engage with it more often. And I think that sort of comes down to the idea of patient engagement um, so, so Ben, tell us a little bit more about what you must have a vision for what patient engagement looks like that your, um, you and the hot dog team are not there yet. Um, can you compare and contrast, I guess, where are you at with the current features, um, and modules with hot dog, uh, as, and, and put that in the context of what the definition of patient engagement is. Next week, we pick up the discussion with Ben on what the idea of patient engagement is evolving toward and what it could be, especially in areas of clinical matching and asynchronous clinical engagement, and moreover, what these things could mean for the healthcare industry. Speak to you then. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website, healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.